1: back in your money on AM 1220 KDO Double and iHeart Radio Station Apple and Microsoft just announced a merger I kid, I kid but aren't they kind of big bloated tech companies that have low valuations compared to Salesforce.com Amazon.com and other companies that are getting a richer valuation joining me now Dr. Jeffrey Rosen, Briefing.com, Chief Economist, and much, much more. How are you, Mr. Rosen? Good. How about yourself? Did you believe me for a second that Microsoft and Apple merged? No. Okay. Good. <laughs> so, um, with that said, do, do you make anything of what once was sexy is now boring? Microsoft once was a sexy company. Apple is once a sexy company. Now they've got old man, boring valuations tied towards them.
2: Well, I, I don't know. As long as the company is still producing and you're still getting a dividend, I think that it's a, you know, overall it's a fine deal. You know, the fact that you're, you know, and I'm a boring economist, remember, but the fact that yes. you're not seeing, you know, sizable gains in the share price doesn't make the investment uh, that bad.
1: We need Will Farrell to play an economist to
2: bring sexy <laughs> back to the
1: economy. So you can talk about your mini fine leather bound books You look like a succulent baby lamb um, <laughs> With that said, Dr. Jeffrey Risen, Let's talk some stories on Wall Street Because there's plenty What do you think of, take about the budget deal Adding clearly to our economy In a time where I guess the Democrats are kind of like Got their tail between their legs With Obamacare kind of not rolling out Like they wanted it to
2: um I mean, I think it's an overplayed uh analysis. I mean, yes, it's better than what the sequester originally said, but we're not talking, you know, a huge move in fiscal stimulus. And you're still having stuff that uh you know, even conservative think tanks uh believe should be done like the extension of uh the emergency unemployment benefits that are clearly not going to be um extended next year. So, I mean, there's a lot of talk that things aren't going to be as much of a fiscal drag next year, which is true, but it's still, you know, a minor fiscal drag. I mean, there's no way around that.
1: Okay, let's talk a little bit about that. Long-term unemployment claims not being extended. On one hand, it helps the economy to give people money, saying you're unemployed, you're a good person, here's some money. On the other hand, it's taxpayer money. What do you make of not extending the long-term unemployment?
2: It's a tough tough situation. And the the question is, why are the long-term unemployed unemployed? Are they, you know, simply just collecting money because they're not wanting to find a job and they're doing the, you know, the littlest effort they possibly could so that they make sure that they still have their unemployment benefits but not, uh, you know, take gainful employment, or is it because of a, a problem known as hysteresis where, the long term unemployed can't get work because they're long term employed and you know there there's some sort of you know skills deterioration or you know just some sort of prejudice against you know, someone that's been out of work for longer than 27 weeks and they can't find a job and no one's willing to hire them. And if that's the case, then the removal of the unemployment insurance is going to be, you know, pretty detrimental to uh, these workers. They're not only can't find jobs, but they're not going to have any income source. And the question is, which is more relevant? Which is more likely? And um, the more and more I, I read, it, it seems to me that it's more of, uh, you know, if you're long-term unemployed, you just can't find a job. It's not that they don't want a job. Uh, and and that means it's going to be an economic, uh, you know, problem. The fact that you're removing these these unemployment insurance.
1: Speaking with Doctor Jeff Rose briefing. Com. Do you have any comment on what happened last week with a lot of strikes against uh, fast food companies for a livable wage? I made a point on my television show that a lot of fast food places are franchisees and. Not you know it's not McDonald's it's not the company making six billion it's the local guy and his wife and his kids who basically have that franchise that they can't pay fifteen dollars an hour um, and yet I got hate mail because I said that uh, any comment on livable wages and fast food
2: it's a double-edged sword I mean the theoretical research says you raise minimum wage and you know if you could only pay x amount of dollars in labor Um, without increasing the price of the good that you're selling, then you're going to have less labor because you just can't afford to continue paying that. So, you know, the theoretical argument then is you're going to have higher unemployment, which is worse for the aggregate than, you know, for the individual. Yet, on the flip side, you know, you're seeing more and more research that's saying that some of these companies are making larger profits so they could obtain. Uh, this amount of labor or just reduce labor minimally and increase the wages. And I, I don't know which one's right. I, I think um, in likelihood you're going to end up with more unemployment and in the aggregate you're going to have worse off. The question is, you know, it's more of a social respect. I mean, I wrote a piece, you know, about a month or so ago talking about how you know all these workers at, you know, Walmart, McDonald's, those type of companies, are receiving public assistance. So they're in fact not receiving, you know, the minimum wage of what the company is paying, but they're also receiving a you know a subsidy that the taxpayer is paying on top of that. And is it fair for, you know, the average U.S. citizen to be paying the subsidy that uh, allows Walmart and, and McDonald's and other companies that are uh, employing large amounts of minimum wage um, workers to receive, you know, and that I think is the is the bigger question. And I think that you know if you can somehow change the fact that the subsidy is being paid by you know me and I don't use the service to the company that's using the service, I think it'll be better off for everybody.
1: So we just shut down McDonald's? <laughs> no, I think
2: that you need to. Uh, you Do know, at least we have too many McDonald's? Yeah, make sure they're paying their fair share in terms of, you know, what they're getting based on, uh, you know, on these these implicit subsidies. You know, it's not necessarily the minimum wage. It's the fact that, you know, the U.S. has a standard of of living of what they state the, you know, the poor person can or the, the low wage earner can yield. And, you know, this isn't right. You know, I shouldn't be paying for a subsidy for a service that I don't use. That's the libertarian argument. Well, that's what's going on right now.
1: Pretty good article yesterday in the New York Times about the ability to wait to raise minimum wage. The tools just aren't there in our society anymore. It wipes out winners. It, it creates losers. Pretty interesting article that poverty is at a two-decade high in the United States. Do you make anything of the have and the have-not argument that's being debated in media pretty aggressively right now?
2: Well, there's a clear link right now that at least they thought you know it's pretty good economic evidence is probably the best way of saying it that it's much more difficult today to go from the bottom earner to a top earner meaning to move up in uh in in the economy to move out of poverty into middle class has become more difficult the question is why is that become more difficult you know is it because there are you know tax breaks and other stuff that the government is implicitly doing that is allowing uh, you know the rich to stay rich and the poor to stay poor, or is it you know some sort of human constraints? You know, is it uh, workers don't want to obtain the necessary education that you need to do to go you know beyond your means to to extend uh, your income levels and move out of poverty? You know, until that is more secure, you're going to have a difficult time, you know, understanding what inequality is and, and what, um, you know, what can be done to make things better. And simply increasing the minimum wage is unlikely to do that.
1: Speaking with Dr. Jeff Rosen, Chief Economist dot com, great website, lots of insight. I'm not an economist, but I dig picking your brain. Give me something that you're working on right now, Dr. Jeff Rosen, that I, I failed to ask.
2: Well, I mean, right now we're getting some information year-end that's uh, kind of important. And it's not that the data can be used right now, but it's, it's stuff that I want to you know, try to, to verify and create trends for next year, and the biggest one was the um, data from the Labor Department that came out uh, on the 10th that uh, basically counted up how many firms there are in the United States and then puts out um, the sizes. And what you want to do now is try to find out how uh, firms are transitioning from small firms, one to 50 you know, people to medium size, 50 to 100 or, or even a little bit larger than that to get an idea to see if Obamacare really is uh, keeping employment levels uh, down because you know, firms don't want to move from the 49 to 50 because they don't want to have to pay for, for health care. So, we're finally getting some information on 2013, and we're going to have to, you know, utilize that next year and uh, come up with, you know, some kind of model if we can f- figure out if, you know, if there really was a-, a hit to employment or a hit to to business transactions. And-, and right now, you know, there is no linkage. We can't create that model yet. So, it's uh, that it's interesting, but it's long-term projections.
1: Quick question for you. I got a call yesterday, Dr. Jeff Rosen. Um, Someone basically in love with the theory that the Federal Reserve is a puppet of the White House. Do you have any thought on that? And you could just—it could be a quick answer. It could be a, a long answer.
2: Um, I think they're independent. I don't think the White House can say or do anything that's going to uh, affect monetary policy. I think they, uh, you know, the, the president gets to choose a, you know, a chairman every six years or so, or four years. I, I don't remember the. Uh, the term limits, but well, you certainly know,
1: you're not up for that position. Yeah,
2: no, 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 I don't want to be up for that position. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you know, I, they do what they choose, and I think they do it based on sound economic work. I, I don't think the you know president is saying or the, the administration is saying do this, and, and definitely Congress is trying to you know Thanks. influence their decisions, and you're not getting that either.
1: Doctor Jeff Rosen, briefing chief economist. AM 1220K. The good life.